but Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14 says, follow peace with all men and the holiness without which nobody, no man shall see the Lord. We've talked about several times in depth over the last several weeks um, how that holiness is essential to salvation. And we also talked about how that John chapter 3 and verse 3, which tells us that Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, the similarity between these two passages of Scripture is simply the fact that if you don't have either of these items in your life, that you're not going to see God. It's not my words, that's what the Scripture tells us. We have to adhere to what the scripture tells us. Um, neither of these verses, as I said last week, neither of these verses give us the, the totality or the complete picture of the requirements for salvation. But each of these scriptures give us another principle that we need to, in our lives, to attain salvation. Um, the, the whole Bible, in fact, is a roadmap in how to get to the place of salvation, which is heaven. Um, when we make it to heaven, um, all the directions that we need are going to be found in the scripture. And if we don't follow this GPS, can I say that? Uh, gospel positioning system, can we go that route? Um, it's pointing us to Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the way. That's, that's it in a nutshell. And so in order for us to make it to heaven, we've got to go the right way. And in order to do that, we've got to take on him in our lives. Amen. To be a Christian means to be Christ-like. And I, I know I, I play on words a lot with this, but I want you to understand, in order to be Christ-like, that simply means you have to be like Christ. Amen. We've got to show that when we're out and about, we see people. I read a, I read a article this morning. Uh, I, I never saw the movie. I, I, I just saw this article this morning talking about Mel Gibson's The Passion. Um, and the man who played Jesus in that picture, he was, he was interviewed. And others along him, alongside him were interviewed. And uh, one of the statements he made in the interview was this not advocating the movie, I'm just making a statement as to what he said. He said, look, when I portrayed Jesus in that movie, that they, they tell us that he lost over 40 pounds in, during the making of that movie because of the stress and strain that they put on his body. Um, I think they said uh, it was a 12-month 12 12-month 12 segment, no, five-month five segment and five weeks of the five months that it took them to shoot the entire movie, um, five weeks of that was on the cross. And so he hung on that cross a lot. Obviously, they had other measures to make sure that, that he didn't die on that cross. But he, he mentioned, he also mentioned that while he was being scourged, as Jesus was being scourged, he actually got hit. Um, and he had lacerations. He has many scars on his back because of that. What's my point? My point is, his idea was, I want to portray Jesus as much as I can. He said, I don't want people to see me in this fashion and them not see Jesus Christ. 
Well, if, if an actor feels that way, if an actor feels that way, those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ need to have that kind of passion. God, I don't care who, how many people hurt me. I don't care how many people talk bad about me. At the end of the day, I want them, number one, not to see me. I pray often, God, don't let them see Brandon Hilton today, but let them see Jesus Christ. I'll tell you, that the whole, sometimes the only hope people are going to see is, is Jesus in you. The only Bible that some people are going to read is the word that you portray through your actions. And so it's important that we as Christians follow what the scripture teaches us. We have a point of beginning in the journey of salvation when we experience new birth. When we are filled with the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues, baptized in Jesus' name, that's when our journey began. But we must also learn that's not the end of the journey. We must understand there are more things in this, in this life that we have to learn. Can, can, can I put it this way? When we begin to think about the new birth, we need to really think about real life. What happens when a child is born? That child has to develop. It has to develop muscles. It can't just get up and crawl when it, when it comes out of the womb. Um, it can cry. Um, but that's about all that baby can do. He can't, he can't even control his arms most of the time until several hours after he's born. He's moving his arms and, and so on. And, and as he grows, he develops. And so it is with our Christian walk. As, we grow, as, we, as the days go by, we ought to be developing into growing individuals in the kingdom of God. Amen. We've got to learn how to take in real food. We've got, we can't just automatically just start taking in steak. Although we, you know, Brother Weems, I don't know how many of you guys got to meet Brother Weems, but as soon as Camden was born, he said, Elder Hilton, he said, Elder, what? He said, I'm going to give Camden his first steak. He said, as soon as he's born, you call me. I'm going to come pick him up from the hospital, and we're going to Texas Roadhouse, and I'm going to get him a big, fat, juicy steak. Well, we laughed. Why? Because we know that baby can't handle that. That baby's going to have to be, uh, he's going to have to develop his digestive system. And he's got to take a little bit at a time. And sometimes it takes a long time. Six months, what, before they start giving them solid food somewhere in that region? Um, and I'll tell you, that's how hopefully, i got to be careful because I, I don't want people thinking I'm, I'm judging them too harshly, but I want you to understand so many times people are satisfied with just living on the milk of the Word of God. And they're not willing to dig in. Paul told, the, he, he told one of the churches he wrote at, I don't, I don't remember which one off the top of my head right now, but he told them, he said, look, I, I only give you the milk of the word because that's all you can handle. He said, I want to, I want to feed you sustenance. I want to feed you good stuff so that you can grow and flourish. He said, but, but you're not allowing yourself to grow. 
you're not digging into your relationship with God. It's work, folks. It really is work. It's not easy for that baby. In fact, Tommy was here the other night, my nephew. He was here at the kids' church. And he, he, he's a cute little thing. But you'll see him now. He's not satisfied with crawling anymore. He's not satisfied. So he walks over to this flimsy little table that we had stood up here, and he starts trying to stand up. Well, guess what? He did a couple of times. He knocked his head on the leg of the table. He knocked his. He fell facing into the carpet, and uh, eventually I reached down and I grabbed his finger, and that's all I needed was just a small little bit of leverage to pull on up. But for babies, it's painful. They're working out new new muscles that they haven't ever used before. They're learning, and and they're they're learning how to. Um, become mobile and and they're learning how to strengthen those muscles and uh we can't always baby folks there's going to come a time they do they do and you know there's been times where young couples where i've been there i've i've encouraged them i've seen other folks grandparents and such have to encourage young couples, hey, quit carrying the baby around. I know the baby cries. I know the baby's fussy. But don't carry that baby around all the time. That baby needs to be in the floor. That baby needs to be on his, on his tummy. That baby needs to learn how to roll over. He needs to learn how to move for himself. And if you're going to carry him all the time, that baby's not going to be able to develop. And I will say that there are places where people will try to baby Christians that have come in and got, got the Holy Ghost, and they want to help hold their hand the entire time. Look, there's going to come a day, Brother Tuffy, I'm not going to be holding people's hands. No, the, you're, you're going to be out there holding other people's hands, helping them walk, helping them figure out how to get there. That's how this thing works. We come in, we come to God, right? Am, am, I, am I off base this morning? Amen. The scripture teaches us that we've got to learn to grow in God. We've got to learn to be able to digest the things that God wants to give us. We've got to become mature. We've got to become perfect in Christ. The scripture tells us time and time again we need to be, until we come into the perfection. Perfecting holiness is another term that the Bible uses. Well, does that mean you've got to be absolutely pristine and you you got to have no flaws whatsoever that's not what the bible's telling us in the original that that word perfecting holiness simply means completion maturity it's that simple now let me ask you something derek if if you're you're how old now you're 20 years old but if you were still acting like an 11 year old would we say you are mature i wouldn't think so I wouldn't think so. If Camden was still needing us to feed him and needing us to help him clean himself up when he finishes in the bathroom and so on, he's eight years old today. He'd get embarrassed if he heard me talking about him like this. But, but you got to understand, I, I'm not the father that's going to, 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 to nurture my child all the way up until he's a, a teenager. Let me tell you something. When they're young, they can learn how to clean themselves. They can learn how to make sure, pick up after themselves. Well, we're still working on that one, all right? Um, but but 
I want you to understand. Yeah, I know. I know. That's, that's an ongoing thing. And if I can ever perfect that, then great. <laughs> you know who I had to ask for my boots for the other, yes, what was it, Friday night? I, could, I didn't know where my boots were. She goes, they're downstairs. Okay. You know what I tell my kids when they come and ask me where, where their shoes or their clothes are? No, I just tell them I didn't wear them last. I have no idea. <coughs> so that's the difference between a father and a mother. Like, go figure it out, dude. I'm sorry. Um, anyhow, I know we're being a little silly, but I want us to grasp the fact that we cannot always be crawling around in our Christianity. We can't always be spoon-fed the Word of God on a regular basis. There has to come a time where you have to go out there and you have to fix your own dinner. Can I say it that way? You have to dig into the Word of the Lord and you begin to digest it for yourself. And some people mature quicker than others. I get it. Amen. But sometimes I, I have seen this and, and I tried to caution folks that I see um, sprouting too quickly. Um, they, they dig into the word of the Lord, but without much prayer. That's important. If you don't pray, your understanding of the word can become skewed. Why is that the case? Here I am. I'm not saying that again. You already know what I was about to say. <coughs> but I want you to consider this. If I hope I'm I'm not Brother Mays, if I if I get too crazy trying to make this come down to where we're living, um, tell me after church and we'll and I'll I'll try to change how I, I teach, but I, I, I just I, I the way that I, I begin to look at the word of God is God, how can how is this applicable in our lives? And what realistic way can I talk about this? So that every one of us can understand what, what, what the Word of God's trying to tell us. I don't want to dumb it down too much, folks. But I also understand not everybody understands King James English either. And so, I'm, that thought has to go away. Um, but I want you to understand, living for God is a process. And it doesn't stop. Sister Winnie, until we see his face. Every day that I wake up, I've got to work towards becoming more like him. How do I become more like him if I don't know what he's like? And how do I know what he's like if I don't read the word of God? This right here is a perfect picture of who he is and who we ought to be. I've said it over and over again, but this should be that looking glass that you look in and compare your life to what's in the word of God. God, am I aligning perfectly to this? Am I maturing like I should be? Is there something in the word of God that I'm missing in my life? And if there is, help me to understand what it is 
and then help me to understand how to apply it. It's one thing to know what's right. It's quite another thing to know how to apply it to our life in an accurate fashion. I think also I could throw in there and be willing to apply it in an accurate fashion. Because you may know how to apply it in an accurate fashion, but you've got to be willing to do it, and you've got to put your money where your mouth is. Because when the Word of God begins to reveal things to us, we've got to be willing to say, all right, here I am, Lord. Change me. Make me what your Word says. The Apostle Paul says, I was young. When I was young, I looked through a glass darkly. He said, I, I was, in fact, let's just go there real quick. You got your Bible? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to see that it's right here in the scripture. I thought about changing the title of this lesson this morning, but all of what we're talking about is has to do with holiness, every bit of it. I want to I want to go through chapter number 13. And if this is as far as we get today, that's as far as we get today. But I want you to I want you to see some things. I don't have it to put on the slides, so you have to follow along in your Bible. <coughs> First Corinthians chapter 13 says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Can I put that in layman's terms this morning? If I talk in tongues all the time, and I don't love people, I'm just making a bunch of racket. That's what he said. I'm just, I'm just a sounding brass. I'm just a tinkling cymbal. If I don't have charity, the word charity here is, is the word for love. He said, if I don't have love in my life and I'm speaking in tongues all the time, can I tell you this? You can speak in tongues all that you want to. Number one, it has to be of God. And when it is of God, when you're talking in tongues, there will be an evidence that you are being controlled by the Lord. You know how that is? Your life is changing. I've said this a hundred times uh, to, to dozens of people. Look, I don't care how much you talk in tongues. If your life isn't portraying Christ, you are none of his right now. There are, there are those. i got to be careful because the last time I talk, dealt with this, it was taken incorrectly. So uh, if, if I say something that confuses you and, and you begin to doubt whether or not you have the real Holy Ghost, please come talk to me first. Please talk to me first before making assumptions, okay? Um, but the, what I have said in the past is it is possible for us. Now, let me preface with this. I believe wholeheartedly it is not right. In fact, it's false doctrine if people begin to try to teach you how to speak in tongues. It breeds confusion, and when those people start stepping into our services, then they feel like, oh, man, I know how to do that. 
but there's no spirit behind it. They're just doing something they've learned to do. But I submit to you that we who have received the true Holy Ghost can fool ourselves by just allowing ourselves to speak in tongues, but if our lives aren't showing the fruit of the Spirit, then we do not have the Holy Ghost. You may say some, some gibberish when you're praying, but I understand this. If, if you're doing that and there's no change in your life, there's a disconnect somewhere. That's all I'm trying to get across. You with me today? hope that makes sense. I, I'm not trying to get you to, to question your salvation. I just want you to understand, as long as you're seeing change in your life and you're allowing God to deal with your life and, and allowing God to prompt you in different areas in your life, honey, I, I don't have any problem saying you got the Holy Ghost. But if you're going to continue to, to persuade yourself, I've got it. But you're, you're still dabbling in old sin and you're still stepping over here and you're... you're you're entertaining the things of the world, my friend, that, that's not the Holy Ghost. You're not going to get the Holy Spirit and the unholy things of the world to dwell together in a single vessel. It just doesn't work. You either have one or the other. Or you're empty. Those are the three states that you can find yourself in, spiritually speaking. Don't have time to unpack that this morning, but just consider that this morning. I either am full of the Holy Ghost, I'm empty, or I'm full of myself or the things of the world. Well, glory. Can I get an amen? And that was just off verse 1. <coughs> Praise God. Verse number 2, and though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and I have not charity, I don't have love, I am nothing, he said. And though I bestow my goods to, the, to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me absolutely nothing. He said, I want you to understand what charity is. Charity suffers long and is kind. Charity is not envious. Charity vaunteth not itself and is not. So there's no pride in charity. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity. Mm. We talked about that last week. Uh, do, do you get pleasure in watching others sin? Well, I'm going to say that. You're not rejoicing in others, nor are you rejoicing in your own iniquity. But rejoiceth, it rejoiceth in the truth. Number seven, beareth all things. It believeth all things, hopeth all things, it endures all things. Charity never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. 
For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. And here we are to the portion that I was referring to all ago. When I was a child, Paul said, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, he said, but then I shall know even as also I am known. And he says this, and now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Understand, he said it, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I thought as a child. I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. He said there's a progression in your relationship with God. You've got to understand, I'm going from being a child to becoming a grown man or woman in the kingdom of God. And when I become a man, I ought to understand more mysteries than I did when I was a child. The things that may have been uh, something hard to understand, as we begin to grow, God begins to give revelation, and God begins to give you more understanding. And I'm, I'm, there's a lot, the reason I, I feel like, I feel compelled to say this is because there are a lot of resources out there for you to, to get a hold of. They're at your fingertips, this World Wide Web. This whole podcasting thing has opened a whole floodgate of information. Let me tell you something. Even if they call themselves apostolic, I'm watching, how, watching too many of them begin to say, Oh, I got this brand new great revelation. Honey, you got to be careful. You got to be careful. There is one way that's a good way. Just one. It's the old paths. And we are commanded to walk in them and to abide in them. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. We cannot abandon what, what God has placed. Look, these are the old paths, my friend. These are the old paths. I, 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 I'm, I'm, the reason I'm saying this is because I heard a, a oneness preacher, prominent preacher, pastor, who has a podcast blew my mind when I listened to his oneness podcast and he began to explain uh, one of the questions that many uh, many many Christians end up bringing to the forefront and that is in Genesis chapter number two I'm sorry Genesis chapter number one verse 26 he began to try to explain this and brothers and sisters he told us in that podcast he said this he said look I believe that it was the man, Jesus Christ, that God was speaking to when he said, let us make man in, in our image. And I said, dear God, what's he saying? And I started listening to the man, and he began to explain. He said, yeah, he said, because God is, 
God is eternal. So God, when he's speaking at that moment, he's speaking to the son in the future. And he brought one scripture out of the entire Bible, whereas I have multiple other scriptures. He was speaking to himself. That's exactly right. But you've got to understand, he's talking to himself. To himself. He, the, the claim was he was speaking to the man, Jesus Christ. Right? You've got to understand, the man, Jesus Christ, is not God in his fullness. But the man, Jesus Christ, was begotten. We don't believe in two gods. We just believe that God, for a, a time, took on the role of the sonship. And when the full, so not only does the sonship have a beginning, but it also has an ending in 1 Corinthians 15. Okay? So God wasn't talking to the son. He was talking to himself. He was making a proclamation. Now, I want you to understand something. And I know I unpacked a whole can of worms here. And I don't have a lot of time to really put them back together and help you understand. But I, want you to, I do want you to understand this much. God, the word in the original use from God is Elohim. Okay? That word in and of itself, El, is plural. But the Jews always used that word to express God. Elohim is what they referred to him as. It was plural. I'm not going to get into what that man said, but I do want you to understand the truth of the matter is this. The Jews have never believed in multiple gods, yet they use the plurality of what, what is known as a majestic plural. Not only that, even if you, still to this day, if you go to Africa, you meet somebody, and they begin to talk about their grandfather. In the older English, we don't do it here in America, but in, in, in those other places, in, in, in different languages, they, they still do this. To, to, uh, to emphasize respect for someone in authority, they pluralize the name that they reference them by. So, in Africa, they say, my grandfather's. Well, he's not talking about all of them. He's talking about a specific one. But they refer to them in the plural because they have the utmost respect. When God said, let us make man in our image, what he was doing that day, he was standing before all of heaven. Whether he was talking to the angels or not, that's another speculation folks have stated. But he was simply using a, plur, a majestic plural. Like, what, what's the guy's name now? The, the king of uh, Britain now? I can't remember. King Charles. When he steps out and he begins to talk to the uh, whole of the UK and he begins to proclaim things, he doesn't say I, but he uses the words like we and us. These are majestic plurals. It's been that way throughout the ages, ever since the beginning of time. 
Because if you go to verse number 27, somebody have verse 27, Genesis chapter 1? I'll just hurry up and get over there real quick. See, why are you harping on this? Well, because you've got to understand these things. Verse number 26, Genesis 1, 26, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now, it began with, let us make man in our image. But in verse 27, what did he do? So God created man in his own image. So how were they created? Wasn't created in the image of the Trinity. There's not three of me. There's just one. God created us in his image. There is only one God who took on the robe of flesh, who was birthed from the Virgin Mary. He did this so that he could become the propitiation or the replacement for my sins. Does that make sense this morning? A little bit, maybe? He created them in his own image. It's not, it's not about me being right or wrong, but it's making sure that the right message is being proclaimed. Let me tell you something. The message of the Trinity actually didn't get birthed. And I want to say about 300 A.D., somewhere in that range. Council of Nicaea was the place that that was born. And it was the Catholic fathers who birthed that doctrine. In fact, Brother Jason was asking me the other night, he said, Pastor, he's like, you know, there's, there's so many people that add to and take away from the word of God. It's a very sad fact. He goes, how do we know what's right? And I said, well, for well over 2,000 years, at this point, right, maybe just shy of 2,000 years, we've had this book. Maybe not in English, but it's been there. It's been preached. The Apostles' Doctrine. That's what they dwelt together in every single day. When the church was birthed, you go to Acts chapter 2, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2. At the end of that chapter, it says, and these all continued daily, every day, in the breaking of bread, means they ate, right? And in the apostles' doctrine, they continued to dig into the word of the Lord and say, man, how did we miss this? <laughs> Here's the revelation. Well, they missed it because they were under the law. And it was a new revelation that Jesus had brought forth. It was a new dispensation. It's called the dispensation of grace. A new time period. Amen. And today, and we, we went a long ways. But today, we have to grow. And we've got to grow in understanding. We've got to grow in relationship we've got to grow in 
prayer. <laughs> We've got to grow in Bible reading. And I can promise you, the more that you read your Bible, the more you will begin to understand, hey, there's some things in my life that's probably not quite right. And I need to allow God to move and mold me into the vessel that he wants me to be. Jesus said that you ought to take up your cross daily. This isn't a new concept, folks. Again, going back, yes, God may give you a revelation. And going back to that whole conversation, God may give you a new revelation in your life. But if nobody else has heard that revelation in, that are around you, those that you know understand the scripture, my friend, you probably ought to go back and at least allow them to begin to help you understand the context of all of what you, you feel like you understand. And last but not least is, before you start deriving any kind of teaching out of the word of the Lord, you better make sure that you've got two or three witnesses and that it doesn't go against any of the biblical principles in the word of God. There's a lot of cross-referencing there. But you got to understand, if God said something one place and you don't understand it, I can promise you God's got an explanation somewhere in that book. Just ask him, how can I find it? Show it to me. God will give you new revelation, but it's going to be new revelation of old doctrines. Amen. Praise God. Say, well, why do you say all that? Well, it's simply this. He said, I am the Lord. I change not. I will say this. If it was wrong in the beginning, it's still wrong today. If it was needed in the beginning, it's still needed today. And I can tell you this much. All the way back to the beginning, God declared that he, we as human beings need his covering before Adam and Eve sinned they had the covering of his glory that's what I long for but after they had sinned they tried covering themselves and it was inadequate and God said hey wait a minute there's a couple things that need to take place here some blood needs to shed for that sin that you committed and you're not covered well enough and so God shed the blood, and God provided the physical coverings. Amen. And today, God's still doing that. I'm, I'm actually working on a lesson. It's, it's going to end up being a long series of lessons about the covering. Because it, 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 it not only just covers what happened in the, in the beginning, but it, it goes from Adam and Eve's covering. And it goes into <coughs> the covering of the blood at, at the Passover. Then you go on in and you keep going into the word of the Lord and, and you get into the New Testament and the New Testament teaches us of several different types of coverings. One of those coverings being hair, one of those coverings being our clothing and the other being his blood. Amen. Praise God. I still believe it's right <laughs> to dress in a non-provocative way. It never ceases to amaze me when somebody walks away from God how drastically their, their clothing changes and how much they begin to show. I've seen it time and time again. I'll say this. 
I've I've gotten trouble at this church from saints that got mad at me for saying it, but it's still the truth. Every time you read in the scripture, and I'm closing with this, consider with me. Every time you read in the scripture, somebody who is demon-possessed, how are they dressed? Every time I read about them, they're naked. They're tearing their clothes to pieces. What happened to Peter when he, when he decided, I'm going fishing? Forget this. I'm, I'm going back to what I know. When Jesus showed up on the scene, what's the Bible say about Peter? Why did he jump into the sea? Because he was naked. He had walked away. But when Jesus showed up, his nakedness was taken care of. When Jesus walked onto the shores of Gadara, and that man came running to him and bowing at his feet, he was still naked when he came and bowed at his feet. But when he came and bowed at his feet, do you know what it was that astonished the people when they came out from the city to see what had happened? He was clothed and he was in his right mind. What am I saying? The further you get from God, <laughs> the less clothes you have on. It's scriptural. I can walk you through it. And I'm, I'm just trying to help us understand. The word of God, does that mean you have to wear tur turtlenecks year-round? <laughs> no, come on now. You've got to understand. You've got to understand. I, I've seen people do this. And I, I'm not trying to make light of the situation, but I want you to understand I'm not saying you've got to be 100% covered from head to toe. You don't have to walk around like a Muslim woman. But my goodness, we do want to make sure that we're wholesome. Amen. We want to make sure that we're enticing the right people. And in my mind, God's the only one that matters. Praise God. Amen. Well, God is good, isn't he? Amen. Well, the last few weeks we've gotten into some pretty deep areas, but if you have any questions, Brother Tuffy, you already know what to do. We'll talk about it. Come tell me, hey, I didn't understand what you were saying. I want to understand that. Can you help me understand what it says from the Word of God? I know you said a lot of things. I didn't give you a lot of scripture today on the things that I talked about, but I can promise you, I give you scripture and verse for everything that I've said today. Amen. Praise God. Well, we're a little early. I didn't want to delve into the next section because who knows where we would end up. Amen. But love you guys. Let's pray. Let's spend some time in prayer and ask God to help us today. Amen. And let's worship the Lord with our whole heart.